0: Welcome to Marvel Vision, a podcast about Marvel, the MCU. And right now, Loki season two. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. And we are going to be talking about season two, episode two, Breaking Brad. Without the ah. apostrophe at the end, I said breaking, but it's breaking Brad. Ah, uh,
1: that's nice. But I think we know you're gonna always cut that cut that G off, because that's just mm-hmm. the way you are.
0: Oh yeah. Just like they did that's on how Breaking Brad the show. Now, if you haven't checked it out on Disney Plus, do go check it out do go watch it because we're gonna spoil it but brief bit of overview now that Loki has figured out his whole time slipping deal we think he is trying to track nah. down Sylvie and in fact in this episode he does he finds her at McDonald's in 1980s in a branch that's timeline. where you
1: find that's where you find people
0: if I lose my keys or literally anything I go to a McDonald's and they got it It's a great place.
1: Anything, anything. if there's any takeaway from this episode of television, in this series in general, it's go to McDonald's.
0: Absolutely. So they find her there. Ultimately, uh, they also uh, capture this guy, Hunter X5, a.k.a. Brad Wolf. That is his non-TVA name. They capture him. They get information about him. He was the guy working for Docs in the previous episode. And they find out that General Docs is going to prune every single out-of-control timeline all at once to get things back under control directly against what Hunter B-15 and Judge Gamble had decided in the previous episode to give a, take a beat and kind of figure out where things are going. Um, uh, But ultimately docs is pretty much successful pruning all of these timelines by the end of the episode. Uh, Loki boxes up Brad and, uh, and yeah, there you go. At the end of the episode, we got Sylvie back in the TVA realizing what's going on. And everybody kind of bumped out. Now, just to do a temperature check, what I'm getting for you is you didn't love this episode. Is that correct, Justin?
1: I mean, I like some of it. It it is like, uh, I like the way it it looks. Like we talked about from a production design point of view, I like it does seem to be just going hard at the mission. I think the things that I'm struggling with are, it is just so much plot. It's Mm -hmm. hard to like, Relax and enjoy the show because everyone is moving so directly at their thing. Well, at the same time, having the same debates we've had, like Loki's like, Am I a villain? And it's like, We know, like, come on, we know this mm-hmm. is a whole thing. And the fact that that is like a big linchpin of what unlocks a lot of the action here, I was like, It is simultaneously dense with plot and plot moves that we already know. So that makes it feel a little bit slow as a show to me. Uh, And the McDonald's thing is driving me a little nuts Because it's it's too much of an ad Like, Mm -hmm. at least be a little irreverent with it Make fun of McDonald's a little bit Something, the fact that it's like All the characters are all in on McDonald's Sylvie, a character who is like Very active, like Has an agenda, is like I, this place is fucked up. The TVA. I'm going back where I'm happy. McDonald's, working at a McDonald's in the 80s when the minimum wage was like 50 cents or something. Like, it's crazy.
0: Well, and then there's that whole scene with Mobius and Brad where they're sitting down and all Mobius is talking about is, oh my God, I want an apple pie. Oh, these drinks are so good. Oh, this food is so good. I I love it. It's so good. McDonald's too McDonald's. Too much. It is too much. Again, I will reiterate this would not be a problem at all if it was a Mick Roxans or something like that, like something well, MCU, because then I think you would get a little bit of that irreverence and it would feel a step removed.
1: But I think that's not the I – mean, if you're going to commit to the brand, which they are, I think you have to – hide your ad just a little bit mm-hmm. like i mean other it happens all the time every movie a product placement all that and like i think we always make fun of the little times when it's like a little obvious famously wayne's world called it out in a great way mm-hmm. do some of that either goes too far that it becomes a joke which i think this series could easily do that's the type of comedy i think we want out of loki or undercut it a little bit to to make fun of it and called out. McDonald still gets the exposure, but it doesn't feel like we are truly in the middle of like Miss Minutes is walking through being like, let's go out to the kitchen and have ourselves a snack.
0: <laughs> the one thing that I'll add on here that I don't remember if we talked about the last episode, but I believe it was one of the producers, maybe the director. I don't think the writer, because I think it was still during the strike, but came out and gave this interview where he said the decision to put Sylvia McDonald's was because they thought of what's a place where pure happiness exists when you go back and it's just, you feel so good about something where you just be calm and happy. And they were like, well, McDonald's, obviously, Oh, I think this was when they were doing the live McDonald's integration when they introduced the Loki sauce uh, and everything like that. So huh. I'm sure there was a bit of ad speak that was going on there as well. But at the same time, if that was the conversation in the writer's room of like, what's the place you're happiest? Just think. And everybody simultaneously was like, McDonald's. McDonald's. <laughs> uh, well, and like, here's the
1: thing. If if that's the underlying thing, then they like, talk about that. Like, um, I, I want to know that because that at least has, can give me a personal connection to either uh, the, the Sylvie or another character or something where it can be like, you know, life gets so crazy, like, and the, this sounds weird, but like my favorite place is when I would put a McDonald's fry in my mouth when I was a Mm -hmm. kid. Like, at least that's a feeling instead of just blind. I love apple (laughs) pies, which is like, come on, guys.
0: Well, and I'll also say, and I I do want to mention what I like about this episode in a second just to contradict all of this. But I think this also gets a little bit to the issue that you're pointing at is we're losing a little bit of our main characters in the plot. In particular, The one scene that I thought that was the most interesting was Sylvie lying in her truck at night and her child boss passed by and was like, hey, are you going to be here tomorrow? She's like, yeah, probably. And then he says, oh, okay. But she says, do you need a ride home? And he's like, no, I'm good. My mom's picking me up. And uh, and that to me was one of the most interesting interactions of the episode. That's what I'd love to see. Rather than cutting in Sylvie, I'd love to see like – What is this happiness like to her? What is this life like to her? It sort of strikes me as, uh, not to talk about another show, I know you watch Barry, that episode where, oh my God, what's her name? Sarah?
1: Sarah, yeah. Sarah
0: uh, is working in the bar, diner, whatever, in one of the final episodes and she absolutely loathes it. Getting the tonal opposite of that, spending time with Sylvie and being like, living a normal life for once, that's interesting. In a very similar way, We, I I think this episode does a much better job of it, but I still feel like we're losing focus on Loki and the Loki show a bit in terms of him running around and trying to be like buddy cops with Mobius. Um, Yeah. Just to talk about the positives as I sort of veered into- Well, hold on. Before you get
1: there, let me just, going on the McDonald's and Sylvia of it all, like I agree completely. Like if we got to just hang out with her and follow her, either discovering this, like- so, all this food comes out here instantly and it tastes amazing. Like, that's cool. If she's never seen a McDonald's before, exciting, interesting idea that she is like blown away by the idea because that's true. I, I believe that for someone who's never seen it before. Or on the other side, if she has like some like past life, uh, branch to timeline, like McDonald's memory, or she and then there's we can play with some sort of time there, mm-hmm. time travel thing then that's also interesting in the scene of her. I would love to see like half an episode of her just like discovering that and being in that world.
0: Yeah. But I Uh, I think given the real estate and given the time they've given for the show, six episodes, which gets into a whole thing that we're not talking about here. There was this big article in the Hollywood reporter, I believe about how Marvel is pivoting to making TV shows uh, because they've realized a lot of interesting idea. Very weird. They, they, the way this is part of the way it was presented in the article, but real quick, I'll mention that they were like, we're going to try this thing, uh, on She Hulk. Our showrunner, the person who wrote it actually came back and helped us at the end really craft up the show with an arc that really worked very well. So we're going to try having showrunners going forward. And also, um, we're going to try to aim for like multi episode seasons and multi-seasons for a show rather than just like little mini-series that are kind of little films. And everybody's like, really? You invented TV? Congratulations! But here yeah. we're seeing the vestigial nature of they have six hours, they have a lot to deal with, this is something that is bridging between Ant-Man and the Wasp: Quantumania slash Loki Season 1 and whatever, I mean, we'll see if they end up doing this stuff, but Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars and all of those things. So it's a bridge show, and potentially going forward, that's something they're going to be veering away from. But that's very much what's going on here. And I do think versus the first season, which really took its time and dug into the character of Loki in an interesting way, this is where we're starting to feel the, like, laying the train tracks in place type thing going on.
1: Yeah. Well, on on that article, like, it's just so interesting to me, like, because the process – I know it's maybe seems like making movies and TV is a similar process and just TV is like longer split, cut up into different sized things. But like the idea in movies you do, you like make the movie and then you pass it off and you know, the director's involved in the edit and, and some other people maybe, but it's definitely much like, all right, go, go cut this and make it a thing. But that's because it's one story and it's sort of one direction you for most movies. And you don't have to be like juggling all these things. The idea of like, Making a television show and then passing it off and being like, all right, put this together without any sort of creative input on that is crazy. Because there's so many things from like selecting a different shot that's sort of like actually we we decided on set that this was going to look better and sort of show the character better, even though that's not what's in the script. Like if you don't have someone on the creative end in post on that, they will never know that. And that makes sense why so many of the Marvel shows are so disjointed and confusing Mm -hmm. at times because you don't have like a clear vision from start to finish.
0: Yeah, and I will mention there's a little asterisk here, and then we can move back to the actual episode of Loki, but a lot of these things that Marvel's like... We just invented TV. We're putting in showrunners. We're going to have a pilot process, all of these things. A lot of it is coming out of the deal that was gotten for the writer's strike. So it's them presenting this like, we're going to try something bold and different, but they're literally required to do at least several yeah. of these things uh, going yeah. forward. So there we go. But back to Loki and on the positive bent, I will say maybe contrasting you a little bit. I like this episode a lot better than the first episode because the first mm. episode to me was all plot. I talked about this a little bit last week, but it was very uh, – I say this is a fad of Star Trek, but very Star Trek in terms of like we got to put the doohickey in the thing to shoot the harpoon yeah. into the uh, anomaly, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and here we get a little bit of that, but – we also – I did like the time we spent. I liked the scene at the beginning of 1977 London. That felt fun and capery. We got to see Loki doing some magic-y Loki things. I thought Brad Wolf – it's weird that they introduced him as if he's a character we're supposed to know. You know? Yeah. Like he's had lots of interactions when he literally was introduced f- last episode for the first time and pretty much – not a blink and a glow, but like he showed up taunting Mobius about the jet ski. Then he was in the meeting – Uh, He left with Doc's, and now it's supposed to be like we have this long relationship with him, and we don't. But I thought he was an interesting presence. Um, I liked him, Uh, and I also like the fact that like we took the time to have Mobius and Loki sit down, have some pie, and have a conversation. Which I think, yeah, which I think was one of the strongest things that they did in the first season. Is actually not be like we got to hit all these action beats and go go go. We could let Owen Wilson and Tom Hiddleston, who are great, just riff off of each other and have a good time.
1: Well, especially when it feels like that's what this show is about a little bit, is like sort of defining yourself and being interested in your own life. Mm -hmm. Like it feels like that's what Sylvie is sort of making the choice to be like, this is all bullshit. I need to go find a life. Loki, on the other hand, is like, I had a life and now I'm doing this, which is very different. What does that mean? Which we, I think we get in some of the, like, Brad, or you're a villain, and Loki having the conversation, like, you know, I almost killed Tony Stark once. Hoof, good probably good. I was <laughs> I, like, we have come a long way.
0: Yeah, well, just to throw out about that before I forget about that moment, that was Loki talking about that and offhand talking about, like, oh, yeah, one time I threw Tony Stark off. I was really mad. I didn't know what I was doing. That was, I think, the first time in a very long time I felt that MCU thrill,
1: you know? Yeah. Agree completely. And I was like, yo, we've gone so far Mm -hmm. from when we met Loki to being in this very different place.
0: Yeah. A lot of this, I know we've been very negative about this and I know Pete feels the opposite direction for most of this stuff when he is on the podcast, but a lot of this feels like homework to me. A lot of this feels like we got to go from this place to this place. We're filling in this thing to this thing, you know, and that's a lot of all it is. And that to me, What worked about that was it was a callback to something we love, presented it in a new way with new emotional information about Loki, um, and moved the character's emotional journeys forward.
1: Yes, and it didn't require them to to get up and be like, wait – Tony Stark, let's go get the jewel from his Mm -hmm. corpse or like whatever it is. It was was more like, oh, this is an interesting conversation that I'm sure will play out in the story going forward, but it doesn't have just an in-the-moment propulsive uh, reason that they're having it. And the last thing I was going to say is for Owen Wilson orbiting this theme, he's like, I don't have a life. I don't care about that life. So like you have these three characters on like three different very – clear points in a different spectrum Uh, uh to reiterate mobius i don't have a life i don't care sylvie i don't have a life i need to find a life and loki I have a life and I'm living it. Like Mm -hmm. they're just, that's a great dynamic for these three main characters of this show to push against each other with. And I, so that was very exciting and that was definitely my, sort of my high point of this.
0: Yeah. Well, and to dive further into the Mobius of all, I really love that plot line as well. I thought pushing him on the fact of, wait, you haven't gone back and seen what your life is like on the sacred timeline that he's, Burying himself in work. That's what he's doing. And the way Owen Wilson plays it, yes, the way Owen Wilson plays it is it just, it's so subtle, like the way that he changes his face a little bit, like you see it scrunch up. And that's all he needs to do to depict to you that, yeah, this is frustrating for him and he's pushing it away and he's pushing away. He's scared of what he's potentially going to find if he goes there. What if his life is better? What if it's worse? What if he's supposed to be a terrible person? You know, he doesn't know and he's happy ish with where he is in the TVA, but everything has been thrown in flux. And I don't know. I, I really, really like that emotional bend for him a lot. And like you said, it also led to some really good conversations throughout the episode. I do think to the point you made earlier, Brad taunting Loki about being a villain. And it obviously didn't really work because that's not where Loki is anymore, but also their solution for being like, you're the god of mischief, do some mischief. And then his mischief was like, I'm going to put you in a box and squeeze you to pulp. A squeezy
1: box. Yes. A very squeezy box.
0: Very much in line with Loki from mythology, whose tricks were like, mm. I'm going to kill a horse and throw it in a river. What do you think about that?
1: <laughs> yeah, gotcha. <laughs> Prank. Yeah, I mean, pranks were harsher back. then. They were. They Let's just were. be clear. Uh, yes, but not necessarily speaking. in
0: line with Loki. I think for the MCU, exactly. Like there was something about it that didn't quite track for me. You know, but I don't mm. know if you felt the same.
1: The box thing. I mean, it was sort of. It was. I was like, I see what we're doing here, and I, I don't know. Like, I thought, I thought it was all right. It wasn't. You know, there weren't a lot of surprises. I guess in that scene. To your point.
0: Yeah. I did like the visual of the box, though. I thought that was pretty upsetting and well done as Brad slowly got squeezed down. That was pretty cool.
1: The real lesson is you can always get what you want through acting.
0: Mm -hmm. Acting.
1: If you really do a good job acting, everything will work out perfectly.
0: 100%. This was all about acting. Uh, Kicking off, I'll just mention, on the Easter egg front, we started off with uh, Brad Wolf is this actor – In The Sacred Timeline, he's doing a movie called Zaniac. This is his character from the Marvel comics. It was in like five issues of Thor, I want to say, where it was an actor named Brad Wolf who played Zaniac, a serial killer on screen. He got, I think, hit with a bunch of radiation or something like that and turned into a monster who could create energy dives and also infected with a demonic entity. Then the demonic entity forced him to attack Thor killed jane foster uh and then oh no sorry he died fighting thor and then the demonic entity went into a swarm of rats that bit jane foster to death and then Mm. thor teamed up with a tva agent to travel back in time not to stop Zodiac or not to change his fate or anything like that, just to stop the swarm of rats. So he stopped the swarm of rats. Zadiac, AKA Brad Wolf was still dead and he saved Jane Foster. So there you go. Uh, but that, Hero's fun, journey. Hero's journey. Fun little Easter egg there. I did have a question for you. Something mm. that I don't think has been explained and I'm not quite sure how to wrap my head around. So Hunter X-5 goes to the sacred timeline. And it's like, I'm Brad Wolf. I'm going to be a movie star. Yeah. Presumably, since Hunter x5 is a variant, there already was a Brad Wolf there. So, what Mm -hmm. happened?
1: Where's that Brad Wolf? Yeah, I mean, maybe he's um, first off, stunt double, Mm -hmm. great idea, (laughs) right? Maybe he's a stunt double, or maybe he's like his agent or manager, another great idea because really, like, in everybody's head, helping you out, getting you what you want because you Mm -hmm. are you, you know, sure. Or he just killed him, maybe.
0: <laughs> Probably just killed him. Um, I I don't know. They're already, like you're saying, very plot-focused and very explanatory, so I don't need them to stop the plot to explain absolutely everything. But there is a little bit about multiple timelines that I feel like they're fudging over here.
1: Well, they're sort of playing it both ways. Like, to your point, like they're like... Brad, there was a Brad here who cares. We don't need to deal with that. And then the emotional crux for the ensemble at the end of the episode is like they pruned all these docs, pruned all these timelines. Those are people Mm -hmm. that are being eliminated. So it is a little confusing where they lie. And, you know, I was sitting there watching the timelines get shaved off and it's like an emotional moment, but it also reminds me of like a Gillette commercial mm-hmm. where you're you're just shaving the little hair off. Mm-hmm. Three
0: blades. I my big question about that just from a logistical perspective, and again, maybe this is my view of the multiverse versus Marvel's view of the multiverse, but also this is what they did last season, is as soon as you open up the timeline, there are an infinite number of possibilities that could happen. Mm-hmm. There are not an infinite number of timelines the way that they are depicting it that are coming off the sacred timeline. There are like 10, 20, maybe, something like that. I mean, I guess the idea here is that they're going to – off of the sacred timeline, you got these secondary branches. And then off of that, there's tertiary and quatriary or whatever the word is, branches. So they're going to the secondary <laughs> – excuse me – the secondary branches. And that's what they're pruning – so there's a more right. limited amount of them. Is that uh, correct? Well,
1: and wasn't that the whole point of the TVA forever is to just keep everything under wraps. And then it was like, let's have it all last season. And now it's going back to limiting it. I don't know what the larger philosophy here is, especially, excuse me, in relation to a character we saw. Um, uh, have you ever heard of this guy, Kang? We saw familiar, a, le- right? a little bit last episode from a face, seeing his face point of view. No mention of King here, and we are going to get some King eventually. So I don't know how these things balance.
0: Yeah, we'll see. I, like you said, I think they're kind of playing fast and loose with all the timeline stuff, and I wish they were more specific about it. They also keep saying there are billions of people on these timelines when they're timelines. There's a near infinite amount of creatures who are living in all of these timelines. <laughs> wow.
1: I guess Alex doesn't care about multiversal
0: people. No, I'm saying there's more than that. There's more that they're killing. I don't know why they keep saying billions when there's trillions, quadrillions of beings, something like that. So, oh, well. Um, What else of the episode? I I continue to really like Obi Uh, Kehu Kwan is great. His delivery of the you think this is a higher priority than preventing a temporal meltdown? Was very yeah. funny. Funny line there. Um, what do you think's going on with Brad's weird temp pad? He has this altered temp pad that Loki and Mobius are looking into. What's your take on that?
1: Well, I think that's what they sort of explained it away when we got to the docs scene where they're like, oh, that's why his pad is like this, because he's part of this uh, group that's killing the other timelines. So maybe that's it. It felt like a big part of the episode to then be resolved with a line. Mm-hmm. But it also feels like I don't think we need Brad anymore. It feels like the Brad story was to get us to Doc's, to get us to the yeah. sacred timeline being trimmed to the point that it's it's like the only one.
0: Did you also feel not to jump around? Did you feel like they jumped somewhere in the end because they're like, oh, my God, Doc's is going to prune all these timelines and now we're there?
1: Yes, it happened fast. And it makes sense. This was like a 50 minute episode that was a lot. And at the end, it felt like we can't spend more time screwing around with this. We got (laughs) to see it. And so they just jumped to it. And I was like, what are all these people running in and out of doors? Oh, they're the ones killing the timelines. So it definitely came up out of nowhere. Um, And then we were left with this big emotional, everyone being like so so in shock, but it happened so fast that it was hard to sort of ride with their feelings.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We also, I think part of it is we're sticking in the TVA so much. And the only locations we vision outside are a theater, but mostly the alleys around the theater and every other person there was Loki. So, you know, we're not seeing a lot of people there. In Broxton, we're seeing the McDonald's, but that's mostly empathy. That seems to be in the middle of a field somewhere. Uh, where they built this old McDonald's. A lot of people
1: going in and out, eating their
0: their Happy Meals. But we're not really, to use your word, riding with the people who are in these various timelines. So it's more this esoteric is probably the wrong word. But it's hard to hook into – it's hard to hook into the idea of billions of people dying or trillions or quadrillions or whatever. Or billions
1: of people served. Right. McDonald's.
0: It's – it's trite, so I wouldn't necessarily want them to do this. But there is a utility to things in superhero movies. What when we're following people on the ground and we get to see people reacting to these things happening, like there's a reason that exists in. Guardians of the Galaxy, we cut back to Earth to see what's going on is, what's his name, Ego's big bubbly thing starts going over the planet. Or same thing in Avengers, we get to watch the waitress and the other people on the ground as they deal with the salient attack. It's so we can have an emotional tether to something that otherwise is too big to handle.
1: Well, but I think nothing's really happened yet on the ground. Like, it's just been these very high-minded, like oh, these timelines are being eliminated with these like temporal explosions or, or whatever. So it's right. like, well, we it would see- be hard to see a person be like, what's that? Blink. And then the <laughs> timeline's gone. But we
0: kind of got to see that a little bit in the first season. It felt like there was a, more, a little more character in each of the timelines. And we even got that at the beginning of this episode with the – press line at the Xeniac movie premiere, which I thought was fun. Brad going and like talking to all the reporters that felt a little fleshed out. I think that's why I got that thrill from the beginning of the episode, which I was like, oh, we're back. We're going to different times. And that's the point of the show. And they're investigating mysteries and rewriting history, just like DuckTales.
1: Just like DuckTales. Well, I mean, here, let me throw out some options that they could have done there, like done a little like Mr. Wolf, do you feel like the time travel in Zaniac is a little bit like confusing and overdone? Like, do stuff like that? Like, really, let's let's have some fun here, or like the end of the world. Wow, what a crazy story to pursue in your blockbuster um, film. Well, I think a good
0: example of that, or an okay example of that. I don't think they totally nailed the scene, but I like the idea of it. Is when Casey whispers to Hunter B-15, it's like, okay, I found out that information for a secret mission, and Hunter B-15 responds, why would it be secret? We all know about Sylvie, and this yeah. is the one thing we're all focused on, and Casey reacting, going, oh, okay, all right, well, here's the information then. I like that idea there, because it was very meta about the sort of ways these things happen in these shows, and they're not yeah. doing
1: it here. Agree that I like uh, Eugene Cordero playing Casey's very fun always. He's yeah. such a like different energy in this show.
0: Yeah, and it's also fun not to shout out, keep shouting out other shows. But he does a voice on Star Trek Lower Decks, and it's such totally different character that it is here. It keeps giving me a little bit of lip lash because he's so. Not stoned, but like very laid back and like, whoa, what's happening? Yeah, on He's Loki. like
1: innocent and wide-eyed here. Yeah. yeah,
0: and on Lower Decks, he's just the most excitable character. He loves engineering so much. So very different things. There you go. Actors. Acting. It comes back to acting. They can save the day. Exactly. Any other notes from the episode you want to call out before we... Start to wrap up.
1: Uh, I like the uh, shadow Loki stuff at the beginning, sort of capturing Brad. I thought that was cool. The and just like the way this this episode highlighted the just the distance that the Marvel Cinematic Universe project has come from from the first appearance of Loki all the way to now, and that was that was a real, like you said, exciting slash like wow. A really like uh brain check for what's been
0: happening. Um, all right. Well, why don't we go to our vision board where we talk about what we want to see in the next episode. Justin, what's on your vision board?
1: I mean, the real world ramifications aside, I want to see some Kang here before the end of the season. Mm. I, I would rather it be sort of woven in as opposed to like dropped on our plate right at the end. I'm not sure what's going to happen. It does seem like these episodes are big, chunky stories that then are done. Then we pick Mm -hmm. back up with like the next this chunk is about finding Sylvie. They're done with that. The next chunk is whatever the next chunk is. So I'm hoping we don't just get dropped a big slab of Kang in in episode six.
0: Yeah, we'll see what happens with that. I would throw out there the thing that I want to see is keep up this semi-episodic structure that they're actually using here. Uh, start off with a mission into the past. Give us a problem that ties into the emotional arcs of Loki and Sylvie and Mobius in particular. Obviously, the other characters are important as well, but they're the main trio. And yeah, and then push the plot forward, obviously. Um, but uh, yeah, I also want to know, like, what is the mission now? What is the repercussions of we've cut it down to one sacred timeline Why is this important? Because I think that's the secondary thing that I'm curious about with the season is the first season was like, what is the TVA? Who runs the TVA? And we knew that pretty much from the beginning. Yeah. What I don't – we're two episodes in and I'm not 100% sure other than like, oop, TVA is falling apart is what is the mission here? Like what is the goal of this season or mini movie or however they're referring to it? I want to have a sense of that arc because next episode – we're gonna be halfway through, so we should be aware of it.
1: Yeah, and hopefully like the idea of them having their different relationships with their past lives feels like such a great theme that I'd be I'm hoping that's what they follow
0: up on. All right. If you'd like to support this podcast and all the podcasts we do, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Facebook and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Marvel stuff. Apple, uh, Android, Spotify, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter slash X, Comic Book Club Live on TikTok and Instagram, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and more. And until next time, hey, Justin, knock, knock.
1: Who's there? Justin. Who? Justin, who? That showbiz. Wow, works every time. <laughs>